Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1.34 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. As we head off to our Oilers Now headliner today, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. It's been a while since we've had a chance to uh, interview our next guest. Uh, he was a four-time 30-goal scorer in the National Hockey League when he was uh, coach of the Colorado Avalanche. We had him on the show, and for the last several years, he's been the head coach at a traditional uh, NCAA power dating, uh, well, all the way back to the days, obviously, of uh, Bob Johnson. We are pleased to be joined on the line uh, by Tony Granato. Tony, it's Bob Stoffer. How are you doing? Hi, Bob. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking time to join us. Uh, you probably wouldn't be surprised which direction this conversation is going to go, but uh, there's a lot of, uh, you'd be surprised how many people in Edmonton uh, are watching uh, Wisconsin hockey on the weekends. Uh, the TSN uh, uh, network has picked up a lot of NCAA games, and there's an immense amount of interest in Dylan Holloway. Um, can you perhaps speak to uh, the growth and uh, evolution in Dylan's game here over the course of the last couple of years since coming to your program yeah i mean i think you everybody that watches the games can see you know how offensively uh things are starting to uh you know catch up with the the kind of the skill set that he has the, last year as a freshman you know he came in he had i think 17 i don't know 17 18 19 points in 35 games last year 36 games and everyone was saying well you know he, he might not be you know that great offensively and this that the other thing and and i and i and as i watched and, and listened to that i thought this kid creates something every time he's on the ice and last year you know he came in as a real young freshman he got on campus at 17 years old and uh, and i thought had an outstanding year he was in a secondary role so to speak because we had turcotte and caulfield uh and and quite a few guys playing in front of him and dylan didn't get a ton of of you know first line minutes and, and then this year you know from the second he stepped on campus there was a, a confidence with him uh that you knew that this was going to be the year that he was going to pop and and when i say pop it you know things were going to go well for him offensively, and and uh, did I expect him to to light it up in the way he has? I knew he had the potential to do that. I knew he would be an impact player this year offensively, uh, but really in the last you know since since he got back from World Juniors, you know he had the first weekend uh, it didn't he didn't score, but he played really really well, and then after that he's just been lights out. I think he's averaging over two points a game, and since then and 
and uh, he's playing well. I, I think that you know if you if you watched him on TSN or RDS, whatever you get out there, uh, you guys in Edmonton are real happy with with his progress and and the kind of season he's having. Well, anytime a player has ten multiple point games in his last twelve games uh, and is averaging one point eight three points per game, uh, there hasn't been a player that high since Jack Eichel had two points per game. Uh, I think we all know how good Jack Eichel is. I'm not saying Dylan has the same. He's a completely different player. Uh, but one of the things he does do well, I, 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 I think I mentioned this to you. I played with Guy Gadowski, who's now the head coach at Penn State. Yeah. He texted me to say, stop. Dylan Holloway just crushed us in two straight games. He goes, I don't think our guys want a face-off. I think he went something like 44-12 and uh, 12 or something like that over the two games. Is that part of his game that's awesome? I mean, we know he can skate. We know he's got a man's body. Uh, we know he can think and process the game, but he, there's some intangibles you need to have in order to be able to be very effective at the next level. Is that part of his game that's improved is uh, on the dot? Well, I think the competitiveness of him is going to, whatever he asks him to do, he's going to do it. So last year he played left wing. Uh, we were pretty deep at center last year, and, and he played wing and was real solid on wing. And, and I remember talking to Kenny Holland before the draft, is he a better center or winger? And I said, Kenny, I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. I think what, what Dylan will be is whatever you ask him to be. And your organization's deep at center, so, you know, you might want him at wing. I said, but this year we were planning on playing him at center, and Kenny was all for it. And and you know, so the center, the faceoff thing is somewhat new to him here at the college level. He obviously played center uh, when he was in Okotoks there, but um, he's strong. He's a competitor. He wants the puck. Uh, you know, you ask him, you know, prior to the game, hey, we need you to bear down on faceoffs. We need the puck, and no problem, coach. And, and that's his attitude. And in anything you ask him, so. Um, you know, his progress and development isn't a surprise. It's the work he's put in. Uh, it's the the passion that he has for the game. I mean, he loves the game. He wants to be on the ice all the time. You know, uh, you know we end practice and, and, you know, the coaches go do their meetings. They meet with the media and we walk out of the building an hour and a half later and Dylan's still on the ice. So so he's, he's one of those kids that just uh, enjoys the game, enjoys his teammates being part of it, and, and he's going to just continue to, to get better and develop. We're joined right now by Tony Granato, the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you in Oilers now. Tony, uh, how strange if he, I, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm trying to figure out your guys' uh, standings a bit here. Are you going to end up having to do it by percentage points? Uh, because I know Penn State's played fewer games, and uh, I think we're just a couple weeks away, are we not, from the Big Ten tournament? So how's that all work this year dealing with COVID and those sort of things? Yeah, there's going to be a few teams that won't have uh, completed the 28 games, um, 24 league games, and then we had four exhibition games versus Arizona State on the schedule. We'll get all of ours in. We were lucky enough to to be able to to play them all. Um, So we're playing this weekend at Michigan State. Uh, Minnesota, who's... uh, I mean, basically, we're we're neck and neck with one another. They have uh, a little bit better winning percentage than us right now, so we'd have to have a couple things go right this weekend. But if we win our two games and we we put Minnesota in a position where they'll have to win at least one of theirs against Michigan, 
who is a, a really talented team as well and needs those uh, those wins uh, for their to solidify their playoff position as well. So, so we 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 have we had a great year. It, it's an imbalanced schedule. It might turn out the same way in the NHL. I don't know if all the NHL teams are going to be able to get get all of their games in. They might be going by winning percentage as well. So, um, there's been a lot of strange things thrown at at the sports world and the hockey world and and college hockey uh, with with having to kind of be flexible on how everything's going. Obviously, playing with no fans is different. The travel's been a little bit different. Uh, not playing any non-conference games has been different there's been lots of things that have have kind of they kind of just have had a go with the the flow of of what's you know what the next day presents and and for fortunate for us you know our athletic department and our conference uh, decided to give us a full schedule um we got back playing we started probably a month late but uh, in the big picture of things uh, the season's gone really well because, for the most part, with the exception of a couple different, you know, teams getting uh, some COVID issues that have creeped in, most everybody's played pretty close to their full schedule. So it's been uh, been a real exciting year of, of, you know, great hockey. I know if you guys have seen the college games, there has not been a drop off in competitiveness and intensity and battle level. I mean, it's been phenomenal hockey, whether there's fans or not. It didn't matter. These guys, when you drop the puck, they're playing hard, and it's been uh, been a real great season that way. Yeah, the four to two practice to game ratio. I think sometimes this brings the the best out players. They want to make every second count when they play, and I say that as a former University of Alberta SID. Uh, Alberta's got. I know you went to UBC a couple of years ago to start the year. You gotta you gotta come to Alberta. Maybe uh, see. I know you're only allowed like out of the the country once every four years or whatever it was. Hey, uh, just in terms of the timeline. So you've got the series against Michigan State. Then is is there a Big Ten sort of? Uh, tournament that that ends up resulting in seeding uh for the top 16 spots for the ncaa playoffs is that how it still works tony yeah we have big 10 tournament the following week so in two weeks we'll be we're all going to meet notre dame just for travel purposes and and um, and expense purposes, we all decided that we'd go to one site and have seven teams show up there. The number okay. one seat will get a buy. The other six teams will play one night, and the three that win that will advance. Uh, and and then you'll you get down to your your uh, semifinals the next day, and then you'll have a Big Ten playoff champion. Um, you know, at, at that time, and then the following week there'll be, there'll be the NCAA tournament. There's 16 teams that will be given bids. Uh, to four different regions, and uh, hopefully we'll be in one of those regions, uh, you know. And we're four four wins away from from winning a national championship at that point. So, so our season's been good. I think we've earned the right to to get to those, you know, to that 16 team seed or 16 team tournament. Uh, we still want to finish strong. We still would like to win, you know, the Big Ten and and have a good run in the playoffs here. Uh, but ultimately, the big picture and big prize is winning an NCAA championship, and and to do that, you know, your work during the year kind of gives you the opportunity to to earn the right to to be one of those 16 teams. And I think we've done that. Um, we've done it with, you know, Dylan has been a huge part of it. You know, Cole Caulfield. I think everybody that's watched our team or knows of our team or watches college hockey knows of Cole. Uh, we got lots of guys having great years, and it's the uh, real exciting for us to have an opportunity to to not only uh, do well in the Big Ten, but to to, to go farther than that and have have a good run in the tournament. Now, the games I've seen, uh, Holloway and Caulfield at five on five do not play in the same line. Is that uh, sort of been the the reoccurring approach that you've had all season long? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's correct. We got we got some other skilled players too in the top two lines. That, uh, 
you know, Dylan and and uh, Cole together would be be quite a pair. They 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 obviously on the power play are, are pretty tough to defend when they're, you know, we got them on both sides. They're interchangeable. Um, they're hard to defend. Uh, they read off of each other. I think I think the the great thing about those two guys, they make each other better and they make everybody better around them. And and that's the growth that I've seen out of both of those guys. You know, when you come in as freshmen, you're just trying to survive and figure it out and figure out how to, you know, contribute. And, and this year they brought it to a different level. They figured out how to, you know, not only play and perform and, and, and produce, but also to figure out how to bring people along with them to, to, to be part of that ride and, and make them better. And having them on two lines uh, is, is pretty special. It's hard for teams to defend. I think if you're looking at our, our lineup as a you know, opposing team, you're wondering, okay, we, how do we match up? Who are we going to play against who? I think it gives us uh, some more flexibility on things that we can do and makes, again, harder for our opponents to try to match up against us. Tony, how hard is it to recruit? Like, I know Denver's recruited a lot out of Alberta over the years. They got uh, Carter Savoy in Oilers pick. They got uh, Benning as well. Those were two pretty good kids out of the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Uh, North Dakota's recruited a lot out of Manitoba over the years. Uh, you guys obviously have at times, uh, you know, dipped into BC. But uh, just, uh, you know, it, given the fact that there hasn't been a lot of junior A hockey this year, uh, how challenging is it to recruit players carrying forward here? Well, I mean, we're there. We, we got two players coming in next year, Corson Kuhlman from Brooks, who, who we think is going to be, you know, a, a defenseman that has the same potential that Dylan has had as a forward. Uh, he's coming in. Uh, he's right there in Alberta. And, and Braden Morrison, another one that we have, you know, high expectations for as well. That's you know, from Oak plays in Okotoks. Both those kids, uh, you know, are, are big time recruits that we're, you know, lucky to have coming in. So, so we're in the Alberta market a lot. You know, this year is definitely, like you said, challenging from the standpoint that we're not allowed to see them or they're not allowed to play a lot of games. But, but the kids that are players and the kids that that uh, um, have the passion for the game of hockey, this year isn't going to hurt their development. They're going to find ways to to train, to work out, to watch, uh, to learn, uh, to figure out how to how to you know make the most of it. And and when you recruit kids, you're trying to find character kids that have that drive from within, that have that passion that that when they're faced with injuries or adversity or or a crazy year like this that that no one ever expected to have, they'll still continue to find ways to develop and and. So we we keep in touch with the kids. Um, those are two in particular that we're really excited about having in. So so we're out there a lot. I mean we we do. And now that you know Dylan's gone really well now that we're getting a little more exposure with our games getting on TV both in your market and in the Canadian market. And I'm sorry in the in the Quebec market because of of Cole being the Montreal pick. You know there's there's lots of players in Canada that we we uh, we will continue to recruit and love bringing them across the border. They've been a big part of our program all the way since Badger Bob and. Grant Stanbrook recruited them in the '70s. So, so uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you guys got a great market, and if kids are interested in playing college hockey, you know, there's a, there's a there's another you know path to potentially moving on to the NHL besides the junior ranks, and it gives gives those kids some options. Uh, you've played your four years of eligibility, and then you went to uh, the U.S. national program, spent some time with uh, the Rangers farm team in the I. 
And I remember this because you played with my favorite player of all time, Guy Lafleur. Uh, and I'm like, who's this guy that's got mm-hmm. 36, 36 goals as a rookie with the Rangers? So here's the million-dollar question for the listeners of Edmonton. When uh, Dylan makes the decision that he makes, and who knows when that is. Maybe it's at the end of this year. Maybe he plays the, the full you know, uh, run in, uh, in Wisconsin. Do you think he's a guy that's going to need time in minor pro? I mean, you coached in the National Hockey League as a head coach and as an assistant. Is he a guy that can come in out of college because of his skating ability, competitiveness, and body type that can come in and play in the NHL right away? Yes, and, and the answer is definitely yes. The, 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 the question and the, and the discussion at the end of this year will be, is the timing right for Dylan to make that step? now or is it time to wait for one more year to see at the end of next season um that's a big question kenny holland is is a a phenomenal general manager and person um he's not going to rush the process and then on the other hand is dylan's had such a phenomenal year and such a uh, um, such a great kid and player you know he's he's close and and i've gone through a lot in in these last four years of players leaving and you you, you want to send them out ready so they don't have to go to the Myers. That's my goal as a coach of this team and, and these kids is to have them ready so when they step into their first training camp or into their first locker room, it's an NHL locker room, that they're ready for that. And we've had a couple guys, I'll give you a couple examples. Trent Frederick left after his sophomore year, and he spent two-plus years in Providence trying to make it. Yeah. This year he's made it. And doing great. Would it have been better for Trent to maybe stay one more year, do your four to two practice game ratio thing, continue to work and grow physically in, in the strength and conditioning program that I think we have here? I think that's better than playing in the minors. That's me. So, so I, so it wasn't wrong that Trent left. It's just a different way of doing it. Luke Cunning left. He had to spend time in Iowa. Keandre Miller just left. He was a sophomore. He went straight to the Rangers. He's playing, you know, a regular role as top defenseman, you know, with the Rangers. You know, Wyatt Kalnick left at the end of last year's junior year. He's still, you know, battling with Rockford and getting close to Chicago. Um, so, so there's everybody's a little bit different on when they're ready. But my goal for Dylan and for uh, you know all of our players is that when they leave here, and it's not that minor league hockey is bad. There's nothing wrong with it. But college hockey and then how we develop here and how we work with the kids, we think that this is a, a, a better place for them to polish their skills. So, so when they do leave here, if they could go straight to the NHL for me, that would make me real happy. Tony, we appreciate you taking time to join us. Uh, good luck this weekend against Michigan State and in the uh, Big uh, Ten uh, plans, okay? I appreciate that. Thanks, Bob. You bet. Take care, Tony. That is Tony Granato, the head coach of... Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com.
the Wisconsin Badgers. We'll take a uh, quick timeout, wrap up Oilers now with this day in Oilers history. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Mike Smith and the starters net today at practice. The Oilers reuniting RH along with Dry Settle and Yamamoto. James Neal up with Connor McDavid and Yessa Pulyarvi. Pulyarvi's emergence has perhaps changed the complexion options for Dave Tippett. The fact that the Oilers also haven't scored in the last two games. Looks like uh, Evan Bouchard might be out tomorrow. The Oilers will have to make some moves. Could see Kyle Turris, former Wisconsin player. So we just had Wisconsin head coach Tony Granato on the show draw back in. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. To this day in Oilers history for Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the team at New West Travel. 1987, the Oilers trade cash and a second round pick in the 1988 draft to the Minnesota North Stars in exchange for 30-year-old forward Kent Nielsen. Uh, the draft pick turned into Link Gates. Nielsen played in just 17 games for the Oilers with uh, 5 goals and 12 assists before ending his career in Europe, although he did play uh, 6 more games in Edmonton in the 94-95 season, scoring once. Well, as you know, Brendan, he played 17 regular season games for the Oilers right. uh, at the end of the 86-87 season. He was on the greatest second line in NHL history, though, with Mark Messi and Glenn Anderson on route to the Oilers. I still will maintain the 87 Oilers championship was the best of uh, the Oilers teams. They still had all their Hall of Famers. They added Nielsen and Rotzelain in that year. And I know the Flyers took them to seven, but Edmonton had a hell of a team. There's really no other way to say it. Um we will tell you coming up just after the 2 o'clock Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell. In wake of the allegations of sexual misconduct, experts say that the Canadian military needs outside oversight to deal with its pattern of failing to prevent sexual misconduct from occurring in the first place. Mount St. Vincent University, Dr. Maya uh, Ischler is calling for fundamental culture change and joins Jalen today at 2 o'clock tomorrow. A former teammate of Tony Granato's with the aforementioned 88-89 New York Rangers, Brian Lawton. For Mattress Superstore, David Staples called to hockey. NHL insider John Shannon for legacy heating and cooling. A reminder, uh, after the 6.30 chat afternoons with Jalen and I, Reed Wilkins has inside sports night from 6 to 8. Brendan, what's he got shaking? You're going to hear the latest from Oilers practice as well as from uh, NHL hockey on Rogers analyst Kelly Rudy. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 630 Chet Afternoons with Jayla and I. Have a terrific Tuesday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet.